Good morning, again. Um, we're going to be finishing our series on the book of Matthew this morning. We're looking at the last five verses of the book, Matthew 28, verses 16 to 20. Um, and over the past year, we've been looking at uh, or listening to Matthew, as he wrote, uh, to introduce us to the person of Jesus, to help us to know who Jesus is, and more than that, to, to move us to put our faith in him, to trust in him, to become his disciples, to follow him. And, uh, and Matthew's been demonstrating Jesus' authority over all things, his, his power, his love, his grace, his goodness, his wisdom. And, uh, and, and so as we come near the end of the book, uh, last week we looked at uh, the, the final moments of Jesus' death and, uh, and as he died on the cross to take upon himself the judgment that we deserve for our sin. Just after that, he is then buried and then he rises from the dead and he begins appearing to his disciples. And, uh, and, and he tells his disciples he wants to meet them in Galilee. And, uh, and so this is what happens when they meet. He gives them a command. He's like, this is what you guys need to be about. <laughs> Little G wants to listen, I guess. He's disappointed. This is what Jesus commands his disciples. This is what he, what's on his mind. This is what he wants them to do with all that they've learned from him. Listen to God's word as I read from Matthew 28, verse 16 to 20. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would help us now, um, that you would work in our hearts and our minds, that your spirit would Help us to see Jesus clearly and that you would move us to respond as you call us to. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm assuming most of you, at least, have been to Target. Most of you guys have been to Target. Um, if, if you've been to Target, you know, you've probably noticed in, in front of Target on the walkway, there are these big, giant, blue cement balls on the walkway. Have you guys ever seen those things? If you, if you have children, you know that when they see them immediately for the first time, they have to go and try to push them because they look, they look like they would roll. They look like they're out there just for fun to be able to play with and stuff like that. I mean, I, I'll admit, I tried to push it as well, but it doesn't move. It doesn't move. Even though it looks like it was made to be pushed around the, around the sidewalk and everything, it does not budge. It's made of cement. Apparently, it's, it weighs like two tons or something like that. It's hard for me to believe that, but that's what I read on the internet, at least. Um, but they do not move. Not even a single centimeter. They do not move. And in Jesus' instructions to his disciples here, and I would say by extension, us, his, his, his instructions to us, he tells us that our job now, in, in light of who he is, our job is to move. It's to go and move towards other people with his love, to demonstrate who he is, to move towards other people, to help them to know Jesus and to urge them to follow him, to become his disciples, 
to put their trust in him. That is our job as his disciples, is to go out and make more disciples, to encourage more people to believe in him, to, make, to encourage more people to find their, their joy in him and live in response to him. That's our job, is to move. And thankfully, I mean, he says, he says it right here. He says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. I was saying, thankfully, the disciples listened to Jesus and they went. They moved. I mean, we are sitting here because the disciples were faithful to, to obey Jesus. Because they went out and they told people about who Jesus was. And they urged them to repent, like we read what Peter said earlier, repent and be baptized. Trust in Jesus. Put your life in his hands. Listen to what he has said. Sadly, as I think about the state of, of Christians today, and I, even as I look at my own heart, in spite of the fact that we were made to move towards others, to help them to know Jesus, I think more often than not, we're like those giant cement balls at Target, and we don't move at all. I, I even, you know, am, am ashamed to admit in my own heart, it's hard to get it to budge and move towards others to invite them to know Jesus, to tell them about Jesus, to, see, to find their life in Jesus and who he is. And yet Jesus, I think, calls each and every one of us to be moving towards those, the people that we work alongside, the people that live in our neighborhoods, the people in our family, our friends. He, he, he urges us to move towards them, to go towards them and to teach them about who Jesus is about how their lives can be changed by Jesus. That we might encourage them to become disciples of him as well. And so what I want to do this morning, I, I was thinking of several different excuses that we might make to say, well, that's really not my job. <laughs> the excuses that we might have to, to keep us from moving towards other people. We might not be saying these out loud, but they might be at the, kind of the, the, the underlying kind of attitude of our heart. I want to mention three excuses and then talk about how this passage addresses those excuses, okay? Because um, I realize this is a daunting task to, to, to get us to move <laughs> as I've watched over the past 20 years in ministry, as I've looked at my own heart. It's, it's hard to get us to move and to go towards others with Jesus' love. I think the first excuse that, that kind of keeps us from moving is this attitude that says, well, it's just, it's my thing. Jesus is my thing. My faith is my thing. It's my thing. There, there are many of us here are grateful for who Jesus is and what he has done for us. We have gotten to know him and we've gotten to know that he is good and he is faithful and, and he loves us deeply and that radically impacts our lives. We're grateful for our faith and we're grateful for, for what Jesus has done for us. But sadly, that's where it stops. We're just kind of content to be, to, to kind of just enjoy all the benefits of being a Christian without actually making it public, without actually telling anybody else about it. We live in a culture that really encourages this. You know, it, everybody's, a, everybody's like encouraged to just have their own thing, to believe their own thing, right? As long as you don't kind of push it on anybody else, as long as you don't tell anybody else. It's, I, I just get so frustrated when I hear people these days talk about, you know, my truth my truth, you know, just this, this idea that everybody is entitled to their, to their version of the truth, but, is, but just don't kind of push your truth on my, on my truth, okay? 
And so we're just encouraged to kind of just like let one another live with our own kind of ideas and, and loves and beliefs. And, and I think as Christians, we kind of just are happy to just kind of settle into that and be like, yeah, I, I come to church and I really get a lot out of it and, I, and, and it helps me live my life better and, and it helps me cope with the things that are hard. But, uh, but, that's, but that's, that's where it ends. That's where it begins and ends for me. I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm just content. I'm just content. Um, but the thing is, as, as you read this passage, one, of the, one word that kind of jumps out, if, well, maybe it doesn't jump out, but if you, if you pay attention, it's repeated. This word all, this word all. In, in verse 18, Jesus starts off. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus has been given, as, he, as he's risen from the dead, he's been given authority over all things in heaven and on earth. Visible and invisible. All of, all of creation, he has authority. Everything, everyone is accountable to him. Over all. And he says, go make disciples of all nations. Every single nation, every single people group, and no matter how different they are, they all need him. They all need to know him. He is relevant for everyone. He, he says, teach them to observe all that I have commanded. All that Jesus has commanded is relevant for all of our lives to, to be healthy and to flourish. And so Jesus, we, we have a picture here of Jesus' words, paint us a picture of the fact that Jesus is so big, so immense, so majestic, so great. He is absolutely relevant for every single person living on this planet. Every single person living on this planet is accountable to him. Every single person on this planet needs him in a way that they, a lot of people don't even realize. And I think the point is that Jesus is meant to be shared and not kept to ourselves. He's meant to be shared. Have you ever um, gone to a restaurant, you know, and they have those desserts where on the menu, it's, it's like, it's like uh, you know, it, it, it might be called the kitchen sink or, or the apocalyptic Sunday or the mile-high, you know, 50-layer chocolate cake. And, and it says on the menu, it says, meant to be shared by 20 people. Have you ever gone to a restaurant like that and you notice one of those things? What would you think of me if I just went in there and we're, you know, we finished our meal and we're sitting around, we're like, you guys gonna have dessert? And I'm like, I think I'm gonna go for the kitchen sink. You, and, and everybody's like, oh, you wanna share that? You wanna get that together? No, I'm just gonna get that for myself. Like, what would everybody, they, everybody be starting to like, they'd be like, you sure about that? And then, and then the wait, waiter or waitress would probably be like, uh, would probably be asking questions as well. But even I would insist on it. They would bring it. And then I would basically just take, you know, three, four, five, six bites. Be like, oh, that was great. And there's this mountain of, you know, 30 scoops on the plate still in the bowl. And I'm like, I'm good. I'm good. Everybody would be like, what are you doing? It's meant to be shared. And I think that maybe is, is how some of us treat our relationship with Jesus. There's a similar dynamic that goes on. He is so big. And we're just like savoring what he has done for us. Our five, our six little bites of Jesus. And, and you know, there's so much of him that is meant to be shared. And we're just keeping him to ourselves. Or maybe there's the opposite problem that we have. Have you ever gone to one of those, uh, one of those uh, restaurants where you order the dessert and then it comes, they, I order like chocolate mousse and it comes in a little tiny like shot glass? I feel so betrayed when that happens. That is the worst, that's like, I'm like, that's not a dessert. I'm not even sure that's a whole bite. 
And I, my, my point is that I think some of us, our experience of Jesus is so small that we're like, why would I share him? Why would I share him? I'm not sure he's even enough for me. And yet what we see here is a picture of Jesus that is so big, so immense, all authority in heaven and on earth is his. He rules over all things, all things, big and small. Every nation needs to know him. Every person needs him. And so Jesus says, go, make disciples of all nations. Teach them all about me, all that I've taught, because it's absolutely important, absolutely relevant, absolutely essential for every person. He is so big, he's meant to be shared. And I, I, what I, I want to be careful, though, as, as I talk about this, I, I'm hopefully getting us to move towards others, to feel this sense of urgency that other people need to know the, the deeply satisfying nature of a relationship with Jesus. Some of us might kind of hear that and be like, okay, I got to go, I got to go try to force feed people. I got to go try to force feed people, but I'm, I'm not trying to get us to, to go like pound, you know, like... I, th- I think we need, we need wisdom as we, as, we, as we interact with other people and, and share what Jesus has done in our lives and who he is. We need to be careful, but we also need to be very conscious. What I want to do at the very least is just move us to a place where we are thinking, where every other person in our lives, where we, we, we are recognizing that God wants me to move towards this person in some way, shape, or form. Is there something I can ask them? Is there, is there something I can share with them? that moves them a little further towards knowing what Jesus has done in my life and who he is and how big he is and satisfying he is. He's meant to be shared. He's not just my thing. And another issue we have is we tend to think that sharing Jesus is an expert thing. It's an expert thing. It's only for the experts. I couldn't possibly share my faith. I couldn't possibly do it. I I don't know enough. I haven't been a Christian long enough. I can't explain it well enough. I don't have all of the answers to all of the potential questions. That's one of the things I hear people like really stressed out about. Like, what if they ask me something I don't know the answer to? It's a legitimate concern. People will probably ask you questions you don't know the answer to. People ask me questions I don't know the answer to all the time. And I think you need to, be, you need, you need to get good with that. That's okay to not have the answers to all the questions. Because, like, as you look at this passage, is, is Jesus, the, look at the people that Jesus is telling to go and make disciples of other people. Are they experts? Have they completed the kind of top gun elite training, discipleship training method from Jesus? Look at them. No, number one, in, in, uh, in verse 16, it says, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee. First off, he's reminding us of the, of the fact that the, that the disciples have been beaten down. They're, they're, they're one less than they used to be because Judas has betrayed Jesus, right? That had to have taken emotional toll on these guys. They're not a full, strong group anymore. They're weakened. They're depleted. There's only 11 of them now. Um, and then in verse 17, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. There were some there in the disciples who were like, the, the, it's, the, the literal word is they hesitated. They, they were hesitating. They weren't totally sure. They weren't totally confident. They were like, I don't know. Really? Did Jesus really rise from the dead? Is it possible? You know, they're, they're hesitant. They're doubtful. These are the guys Jesus told to go make disciples. These, these guys who are doubting. And let me just remind you, all of these guys... After Jesus was arrested, you remember what they did? They ran. They ran, scared. 
Worst of all, Peter, the most vocal of all, betrayed Jesus in, in, in that he denied him. Three times he denied even knowing Jesus. These are the people Jesus picks to go and make disciples of other people. And the, and the incredibly encouraging thing for me is that this is who Jesus calls to make disciples. He calls people who are very regular, people who are broken, people who are weak, people who are doubting, people who don't have all the answers. This is who Jesus commands to make disciples. In fact, I would argue that the fact that these guys are not perfect is key to them making disciples. It's essential to them and their ability to make disciples. The fact that they're not perfect, the fact that they failed, the fact that they don't have the answers. Because that is what the gospel is all about. That is why Jesus came. Jesus came in order to die for those who had failed. In order to die for those who are weak. In order to do what we cannot do ourselves. And so to think that in order to share my faith with other people, I have to like get it all nailed down and make it look really good and be really good at it, actually conflicts. <laughs> it, it, it contradicts my message. Um, people who don't know Jesus need to see that Jesus loves people as they are. With all of their flaws, with all of their failures, and all of their weakness. And he loves them. That's a big part of the message. And so I, I would say that, that our imperfections, our unpreparedness, our ill-equippedness actually makes us more fit to represent Jesus and the gospel. People need to see that Jesus came for regular people who don't have everything nailed down perfectly. And so the degree to which you can be honest and to be yourself as you share Jesus, makes you a better disciple maker. It makes you a better disciple maker. It's not about having the perfect presentation with a perfect list of answers to questions. The most effect effective thing may be to simply share from your individual, limited, broken experience how you've come to know Jesus and what he has done in your life. How Jesus has loved you. So last week, um, I'm going to call you know, the youth group out, Silas out on this one. Last week uh, at youth group, they broke something, okay? They broke uh, the uh, communion cup right here. I mean, I'll take some blame because I should probably put it away when I know the youth group's going to be in here. But they broke it. Let, let that be a good advertisement for youth group. You know, they have so much fun, they break stuff. <laughs> so you should come too. Um, but they broke the cup. The next morning, Silas, Silas texts me, he's like, got some bad news. We kind of broke the cup last night. He's like, but it's okay. I think I can super glue it back together. So he did a good job. It's, he super glued it back together. It looks, you know, it looks good if you don't look too closely. Um, but it's got some cracks. It's got some cracks in it. But I mean, maybe, again, maybe that's appropriate, right? Um, and it reminded me, it reminded me of, I'm sure you, you guys have probably, some of you guys have seen the, the, the Japanese custom of like taking a bowl and, and when it's broken, they, they put it back together with, with gold. I forget what the actual name of it is. And so the bowl is made whole again and, and all where it's broken, all of the cracks are filled with gold. And it looks even more beautiful than it did before, right? And I think that's 
what, that's the sort of dynamic that should be going on as we seek to make disciples. That, that we should be people who, others, what others see in us, they see people who have been broken, who are broken, but who have the gold in, in the cracks, in our cracks, the gold of Jesus' grace shining through and highlighting what he has done in us, you know? And so it's not an expert thing. It's not an expert thing. Do not let that hold you back. Don't feel like you have to have all the, all the answers as you move towards others. Um, the last excuse that I think keeps us motionless is that it's an intimidating thing. The, this is probably as big a factor as anything. We, we're afraid. We are afraid that we might be judged. We're afraid that we might be rejected. We're afraid that if we, if we bring religion, if we bring our faith into our relationship with somebody else who doesn't know Jesus, it's going to make things awkward. They're going to think we're strange. Maybe they're going to want to like, you know, not hang out with us as much. Um, maybe they will be suspicious of us. Maybe they just simply won't like us as much. It, it might cost us um, other people's admiration or respect. Um, it might cost us kind of the, the, a relationship the way it is. And in the midst of those fears, let me point to the last thing that Jesus says, the promise that he makes in verse 28. He says, behold, I am with you. I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus reminds his disciples, I am with you in this. Yeah, I know. It, it might be scary. You might face um, persecution. You might face rejection. You might face uh, sacrifice and cost. But don't forget, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you. It actually, actually brings us full circle. You, uh, if, if you remember, in, in the very first chapter of Matthew, when the angel comes to Joseph and he, and he um, uh, tells Joseph that Mary's pregnant, he says, you, you need to name that child Jesus because he's going to save the people from their sins. But then also the angel says this, and he will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And Matthew kind of wraps it up with a bow here. Jesus' last words reminding us that in coming into our world and dying and rising again, what he has done is accomplish everything that he promised he would, and he is going to be with us. And if Jesus is with me, then I don't have to fear anything. If Jesus is with me, then I don't have to fear anything. I don't have to fear what sharing him might cost me with other people. Jesus is with his disciples, and he's with us at all times and in all circumstances. He's with us, and we can count on it. And this is especially encouraging when, when I'm sharing my faith and making disciples. Number one, it's encouraging because I, I'm, I can recognize that I'm not doing this on my own. Again, as, as I said, like one of the scary things about trying to share anything about Jesus with somebody is that I'm, I'm maybe I don't feel like I'm, I'm really equipped to do it. You know, it's scary. But if I know that Jesus is with me, it's not resting on my shoulders. He's here. He's working. I can count on the fact that he's already doing something in this person's life apart from me sharing anything. There's a great quote from uh, Eugene Peterson. I think it's from a book called Subversive Christianity. Um, I could be wrong on the title, but, but uh, he, he writes this. He says, I enter a room now, not wondering what I'm going to do or say, but what the risen Christ has already done, already said. I come in on a story that is in progress, 
something that is resurrection already going on. Sometimes I can clarify a word, sharpen a feeling, help recover an essential piece of memory, but always dealing with the risen Christ has already set in motion, already brought into being. He's, he's pointing out the fact that as I minister to other people, as I serve other people, as I try to share the gospel, the good news of who Jesus is with people, I need to recognize that G- Jesus is already working in this person's life. As I walk into a room, he's already there working, writing a story with this person's life, working in this person's life. As I walk in the room, he walks in with me to minister to this person in spite of how I might fail. And as I leave, he stays there to clean up. (laughs) He is with us. And that should make all the difference as as I think about sharing my faith with people. He is with me. But number two, no matter how I might be rejected or how, what, what it might cost me in a relationship, I can know that Jesus will never fail me. He will never leave me. He, he is with me. So if, if this relationship gets kind of, kind of messed up because I bring the truth of who Jesus is into it, I can know that Jesus' love will still be there to satisfy me. His love will satisfy me more than any other relationship will. And it gives me a little bit of freedom and not worrying about, not, not having to worry about what this other person's gonna think all the time. I can rest in the fact that I know what Jesus is gonna think and he's always present. He's with me. All right, so I've been watching uh, the new Star Wars series on Disney Plus, if any of you guys have watched that, called Andor. Um, I'll try not to make any spoilers here for anybody, but uh, even if you're not a Star Wars fan, it's really good. It's really good. Um, but it's essentially, it's, it's in the Star Wars universe, if you know anything about Star Wars, you know there's this big bad empire that is you know, in control of all of the universe and they're oppressing everyone and, and everybody is just powerless against them. And the, the, the series of Andor kind of is, is talking about the, the story of how a rebellion comes to exist and to rise up and to try to fight against the empire. So, so it starts off with the story, there's really no, no visible rebellion at all, no people rebelling against the empire at this point. And, uh, and, some, some, and everybody's, just, everybody's just happy to just kind of continue with life as it is, you know, not stir up any trouble, not stand up or make any noise. They're committed to staying still and not moving. And, uh, and, and the story, in the story, something, an event happens, and, and, and it's a big event that, that news of it starts to spread throughout the galaxy. And all the people who are being oppressed by the empire start to talk to one another, like, did you hear about that? Did you hear about that? Did you hear about that? And it starts to move some people to be like, I, I need to stand up and do something. And then there's this older woman at one point that she's just like, I can't, you know, stand still anymore. I have to stand up. I have to fight against the empire. I don't know what I, I don't know what I can do. I might, I may be powerless to do it, but I'm going to join the rebellion. I'm going to, I'm going to fight back. And as I'm watching that, I'm like, you know what, as I'm watching that, as I'm thinking about this passage, especially, I'm thinking, you know, you know what, Jesus, when Jesus is commanding his disciples to go and make disciples, what he's doing is he's trying to move them to begin a rebellion. There's, there's a lot of similarities, right? These guys who, who have no power and, and, and who will likely be persecuted and it will likely cost them. He's, he's urging them to go out and to stand up and to be vocal and to move, even though it might cost them. And, and I think something similar, Jesus is, is calling us to something similar as well, to join a rebellion. To join a rebellion. We live in a world that... that is, is full of sin 
and apathy towards God and the reality of who he is. And, and, we need, and Jesus is enlisting us to, to stand up and to be vocal and to join a rebellion. To enlist others to join it. To enlist others to become disciples of Jesus and find their wholeness in him, their joy in him. And to live lives of sacrificial love and beauty that reflects him. You know those balls in Target, uh, at, at the front of Target, those big concrete balls? Um, I was looking online just to see the picture of them this past week. I was like, yeah, is that what they look like? Yeah. And I saw that there was actually a story back in 2017 in Paramus, of all places, at a Target there. Um, there's a video of a truck that bumps into one of these balls and knocks it loose. And he just drives along, doesn't even realize he did it, I don't think. And now this two-ton ball of cement is loose on the sidewalk and it begins to roll. And it starts rolling across the parking lot. And then it slams into a car that's driving by. The story is about how this person is suing Target for this you know, giant ball that is rolling across the parking lot. I, I think that's all of us, like that, those, those balls, like I, no matter how hard I try, I cannot move it. But if something big enough can dislodge it, you know, it can do some damage. I think we need something that is big to dislodge our hearts, to move, to move towards others, to do damage in the lives of others, damage that is beautiful, that is good, that reflects the, the, the glory of Jesus. What did the disciples have that knocked them over? Well, it was, I think it's pretty obvious. As the disciples stood there, they were standing in front of a man who had died but is risen. Jesus had risen from the dead and that knocked him loose. They, they couldn't stop themselves, you know? And I think that's the question we need to ask ourselves and, and ponder in our hearts today. Will we open our eyes to that same Jesus? He is alive. He is risen. Will you take part in the rebellion today to stand up and to be vocal, to encourage others to know this Jesus who is alive? who will satisfy them, unlike anything else. Let's pray. Father, we, we pray that you would um, dislodge our hearts, that you would save us from just this, this contentedness to be still and to only worry about ourselves. Father, we pray that you would give us such a, a, a deep love for the people around us that, that we would want them to know you and all that you have done and all that you will do. Father, we pray that for, for those of us in here who, who our experience of Jesus is so small that it doesn't really make sense to share it, we pray that you would grow that experience grow that vision, that it would be so massive, so big, that we can't help ourselves. And we pray all this in the strong and powerful name of Jesus. Amen. We now have an opportunity to be reminded of God's goodness at the Lord's table and his grace toward us. Um, as you walked in, hopefully you got the elements. You received the elements. If you did not receive the elements, we have somebody that can pass them around to you. Just raise your hand and, uh, and glance.